I'm Andy Dwyer, and when I'm not pulling suckers off my tomato plants in my garden, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we'll talk about the place that holds the ghosts of dreams made, lives crushed, fortunes made, and reputations destroyed. Here to share the history of the Plaza Hotel in New York City, we welcome author and historian Julie Seta. Plus, are you ready for tax day? It'll be here before you know it. Today, we also welcome, with some organizational tips and last-minute tax savings, the bookkeeping artist, Catherine Pomerantz. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky caller, and I'll be sure to save time for my groundbreaking trivia. And now, two guys who don't know anything about the Plaza Hotel, but are experts when it comes to Motel 6, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I think that's a brand new tagline for the show, OG. Stacking Benjamins, we'll leave the light on for you. I've heard that one before. TM, we just made it up right here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday on the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salci. High Average Show Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me to celebrate hump day is Mr. OG. Just another beautiful day in paradise. It is paradise. And it's January already. How about that? I know, isn't it? Where, where did it go? Should we be one of those people that go, hey, uh, just so you know, uh, one-twelfth of the year is done. Are you one-twelfth <laughs> of your goals accomplished for the year? Should we put that on the uh, on Twitter? Nobody's done that before. We're coming up with taglines. We're coming up with new things that we can say on the internet. That's cool. Maybe we'll make a TikTok video where we dance and do it, and I'll point yes. to a random spot, then point to another random spot. We'll put some graphics in there because I've never seen that before. I like it. We could also give some uh, TikTok Money advice that makes no sense. That'd be fun. I feel like we could slay TikTok right now if we got in. This thing could really move. I think we could go, we could double our audience from two to four. It would be awesome. Before we double our audience, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Man, do we got some great headlines today. 
And we got Julie Satow waiting in the wings. The history of the Plaza Hotel. Talk about money. Tons of money has walked in and out the front door of the Plaza Hotel. You ever stay at the Plaza Hotel? No. You ever think about staying at the Plaza Hotel? Uh, no. <laughs> I walked by it once. What? I was like, eh, look, yeah, look, Plaza Hotel. It is, by the way, strange that the first place that had motor cars in the city is also probably the only place where you find horse-drawn carriages right across the street there. That's from true. The Plaza Hotel, Central Park. Uh, great show today. Julie Satow waiting in the wings. Let's get the party started, though, with some headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News, and it is written by, oh, Mary Beth Franklin wrote this. This is troubling. Retiree debt doubles during the pandemic, OG. That's not a good thing. No bueno. What's the deal? It's probably uh, margin debt on on option trading. (laughs) Mary Beth writes, the COVID-19 pandemic's been rough on many older Americans, forcing some into early retirement. As the result of personal health concerns, job losses triggered by the economic slowdown or caregiving responsibilities for family members affected by the virus. I want to stop there. I have three different friends, OG, that did not have bad COVID issues themselves, but ended up taking extended leave, taking care of elders in their family who did. So health concerns wasn't their issue, but it was... They were collateral damage. Yeah. Well, especially as it became more and more evident that the people that you would expect to have the weaker immune systems were more affected by it. You saw lots of people making the decisions to transfer older family members from care centers to back home. And you go, well, how are you going to, who's going to take care of those people? Somebody has to reduce their hours or, or stop working or something like that. And then you combine that with any potential layoffs that might have happened or other financial issues. And all of a sudden, where are you going to get the money from if you're not if you're not ready? I was reading online, I don't know, maybe a couple of, eh, probably a couple of months ago now, but it was talking about cash reserves and emergency funds and how we're looking at emergency funds from the perspective of like, oh, if I have three months, that's great. And here we are on, I mean, now almost month 12, right? I mean, this thing kind of kicked off in February yeah. last year and there's groups of people and there's areas of the economy that are still completely unemployed or super underemployed a year into it. So now do we have to make cash reserves, you know, a year? Is that, is that kind of the byproduct of this? I mean, that'll be stuff we'll talk about for a long time, but if you weren't ready for it. Well, yeah, I was reading a behavioral piece yesterday by uh, Dr. Brad Klontz about how just sometimes, you know, there are some things out there, OG, you just can't protect against. You can't protect against everything. And there's two ways people go, right? They're like, I can't afford to save, so I'm not going to save at all. And then there's people on the other side saying, I'm going to keep all my money in cash and never earn any money because I'm so afraid that something might happen. I'm not sure where the middle ground is. Right. Yeah. Well, again, who could have foreseen a year like we've just had? Oh, the, the people that made the video game, The Division, it's all about a pandemic, came out not that long before starting uh, in New York. Yeah. Apparently they see, there it is. Apparently they knew. Yeah. I wonder what the next video game is going to be about. The board game pandemic is a board game that was we out. We never before. watched. We, uh, my wife and I were talking about this. We actually never watched. Um, what was the, the famous pandemic movie with uh, Dustin uh, Hoffman and uh, Morgan Freeman and 
Donald Sutherland. I don't, I don't know. Oh, come on. I don't know. Pandemic? Was it called Pandemic? You knew this movie. Outbreak? You've seen this? In a remote African jungle, a small monkey is captured. Bound for a pet store in America, the animal carries a deadly virus. Now, I know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do. We'd be less than human if we didn't. But the fate of the nation, perhaps the world, is in our hands. We cannot, we dare not refuse this burden. I'm confident that each of you will do his duty. God forgive us. Why didn't we have Morgan Freeman in charge of this whole thing? Like, why did, well, why was well, because that his thing? goal was to nuke the town, so. Oh, yeah, we know. couldn't have him in charge. No, <laughs> see, you could tell I didn't see the movie. I can't Outbreak. believe you never saw this. It's got uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in it. Well, it looks like an uplifting movie. It's I mean, fantastic. You should watch it right at the beginning of the next COVID. Like COVID-22, that's the one you want to watch. This say, you could either, you know, there's that thing where the book is always better than the movie. Mm-hmm. Real life. Oh, no, man, I was there. I was there. I don't need to. I don't need to. See, it turns out it wasn't Africa. It was China. Rene Russo's in it. Yeah, Rene Russo. There's all sorts of people. It's like Donald Sutherland. You're right. Yeah. But the point being. Back to back to oh, retirement. What the hell were we talking about? <laughs> I think we were talking about retirement and and maybe running out of money. Yeah. I remember a long time ago somebody saying, you know, there's a lot of people that say they don't have enough money to save, so they don't save any money. And this person was talking about how you I don't remember who it is, but they said you have to put yourself in the brain of now I'm forced into this situation that we're reading about today in this piece. I'm forced into this situation. I got to go now. And it's amazing how almost every time, and sure, there's people that clearly can't save, but there's a bunch of us, OG, they're just holding a few bucks back. We end up blowing it on nothing. We never save because we're worried about today and not, and it just feels so far away, but make it much more immediate in your head because your brain doesn't know the difference and you'll begin saving immediately. I think the phrase was, what makes you feel worse? Oh, yeah. Like saving too much money now and not having it available now or getting to 65 and you're much more tired, you're ready to retire and you haven't saved a dime. Like which one makes you feel worse? And of course, getting to 65 and I haven't done anything. This is also my logic for the why you should have your cake and eat it too on the mortgage 15 year deal. I I get that from a mathematical standpoint, 2.5% interest, but I can invest the difference and it would be fantastic. And we've gone around and around about this, you know, setting up the separate account and all that sort of stuff. But a forcing mechanism of in 15 years from today, your house will be paid off. If you're 43 like me and you get a 15 year mortgage and this happens to you when you're 58 and not quite yet prepared, it's one less thing that you'll have to struggle with. Because how many people refinance their houses in 2005 and are 15 years into a 30-year mortgage and are 55 going, or 58 or 60, like, like we're talking about here, they're going, oh, well, I, you know, I was, I was investing the difference or I was going to invest the difference and I maybe didn't. I was going to is the one you hear more often. Well, yeah, sure. And I think just all the benefits of not having that, you know, so my two cents.
That and $4.31 gets you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. It's, it's more like that and $8.92. Well, if you go eight ninety two, then you get the little egg cup things, which actually are pretty good. So, Yeah, well, and you get the, you, you get the drink that has the... the uh, no, we don't do that. Whipped cream on top. You can't do that. It's it's not Christmas. You get one of those per Christmas season. Is is that the rule? Because I have broken that rule many times. <laughs> you failed miserably. I think it's time for Joe to go to confession. And in our second headline, I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe I should say spoiler alert first, but it's tax day coming up right around the corner. We're what? Just uh, over two months away, two and a half months away. Here to help us with our taxes this year, my good friend, Catherine Pomerantz, the bookkeeping artist herself. How are you? Oh, thanks, Joe. I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, I'm great now that you're here to swoop in and save the day. Is this your favorite time of year or your least favorite time of year? Oh, my favorite. I love projects. You're I love such, being busy. such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, guilty. I totally am. I absolutely am. Let's then help people out here. Because as you know, because you help me do my taxes, people bring stuff to you, I know, in things that resemble shoeboxes, right? We don't do that anymore, mm-hmm. but they throw stuff in all different places, and then they have a heck of a time gathering it up. How do we make this year not the nightmare that it is most every year? That's a question I get all the time. And I always start with any new client. I actually say it's not about getting organized. I just want you to tell me your story because thinking about taxes is really confusing. It's overwhelming. We don't do it. We don't get organized because we don't want to, right? That's not fun. Sure. No. Yeah. No, it's, it's horrible. It's boring. I, even I don't like thinking about taxes. There's so much to know, but I love knowing about stories and because money affects every area of your life and taxes affect every area of your money. If I know your story really well, I can get you the best tax savings possible. So even if you want to DIY your taxes this year, just start by, hey, what happened to me this year? What 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 special events did I have? What were any firsts? What was different than my last year? Start right there. And that's going to give you a list of what to research, what to send to your accountant, what you maybe need to go follow up on or track down. But it gives you a, it gives you a really simple to do list that feels more like, oh, this is kind of cool. This This is what happened to me. I have ownership over this and not about like, spreadsheets. <laughs> That's a fantastic know. idea though, because when, when you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, what are some of the big events that might come up? I bought a house, might mm-hmm. be some stuff there. I bought a rental property, definitely stuff there. Mm-hmm. I started a business, there's stuff there. Maybe I, I got married or I had a baby. There's potentially mm-hmm. stuff there. I changed jobs. Like all of these things, you're right. Those are the big tax events too, Catherine. Yeah, absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of firsts for people. Unemployment assistance. Do you know how that's taxed? Have you got how that process works? Did you refinance your home? That's considered debt restructuring. And so the deductions you're used to taking may be different now. That's something you want to be prepped for. I mean, another one, higher medical expenses than usual. You can do a lot to take advantage of that story if you understand the strategy behind it. So let's take the medical example. If you want to deduct your medical expenses, you can take 7.5% off of your taxable income or your AGI, your adjusted gross income. Well, say you're married and you have higher medical expenses than usual. Maybe you file separately this year so that you can take more medical expenses off of your lower individual AGI than off of the joint household AGI, which is going to be higher. Now, 
filing separately may keep you from other tax credits. So it's important to understand your whole story. I really meant like, tell me your whole sure. life story when I'm doing this, yeah. but things like that can make a huge difference. Is there anything else for individuals? I know individuals in most years, it's the same this year with COVID, it might be a little bit different, but what are the big suspects people should look out for to maybe save some money on their taxes this year? There is a new charity deduction under the CARES Act. So normally you can only take charity deductions if you itemize. But even if you're taking the standard deduction, you can still deduct up to $300 in charitable giving. So if you were really moved by what was happening in the world and you gave some money away last year, follow up on that. See if you can get those receipts at 300 bucks. Is that also for gifts in kind? Uh, yes. It is cool. So if I just clean out the closets uh, or cleaned out the closets, I guess it would be, wouldn't it? That would have to be before December 31st? Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't do that now, but you can do that if you did it last year. But there are some, I can still make contributions to some of my retirement plans, right? Until tax day. Absolutely. If you do have more cash than you're expecting, you can always give to your traditional IRA. Roth IRAs won't take taxes off immediately. They will maybe long term. But if you're interested in saving taxes right now, your traditional IRA or your SEP IRA is going to be your best bet. Speaking of SEP IRA, let's talk about business owners who are the people that have the biggest opportunity maybe Mm -hmm. to save some money on taxes. What are some things you see people usually overlook? I cannot tell you the number of new clients who come to me who are not taking full advantage of the home office deduction and the vehicle deduction. And here's why. Again, think of it like it's a story. The vehicle example is a really good one. A lot of people know, oh, I can deduct business mileage, but they don't realize how much mileage they can actually take off. Anytime you have a tax deduction, so say you got some office supplies, there is usually an accompanying travel business deduction for that. If I had to drive to the store to buy those office supplies, that's deductible. Did you meet a client for coffee? I mean, probably not this year, but yeah, you right. know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> if you go out and do anything for your business, the, the mileage to and from that business event or the mileage between business events, it's all tax deductible. So knowing your story can really help you save there. Same, same for your home. What did you do in your house this year? I have one client who installed a new HVAC unit. Part of that $6,000 expense is deductible because her home office is in her home taking advantage of that HVAC unit. That's pretty nice this year. Yeah. We don't think about most of that stuff. Retirement wise, is there anything, you know, you mentioned the SEP, is there anything creative? We get this question all the time that people should be looking into if they want to save some money. For businesses, you mean retirement wise? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I would definitely look into if you're going to be able to save more in a solo 401k versus a SEP IRA. The calculation is slightly different. And often until you're earning a couple hundred thousand, the solo 401k is going to allow you to save more because you have that employee match. Now that can only be done in the year of. So I actually often, if people are really looking for something creative to do, I will point them towards those overlooked expenses. So not retirement, but Things like health, things like employee reimbursements, things like your business structure. I had one client who came to us last year who made just 70000 right? Nice, but not extravagant. We were still able to save her $11,000 in taxes just by wow. making sure she, yeah, just by making sure we got the full home office, the full vehicle, and then we just made sure she was in the right entity structure for what she was doing and what she wanted out of her future. So that can be a real big one. 
This year, again, because of the CARES Act, there's a lot of things buried in that that a lot of business owners don't know. I mean, we got a ton of buzz about the PPP and stuff, but this year only student loan payments up to $5,250 are tax deductible. And this does include sole proprietors and partnerships. So if you're making student loan payments, you may want to follow up on that one and see if you can deduct some of the money you paid towards that this year. And it's good this year only. It is just for COVID relief through the CARES Act. I wish you found this interesting. <laughs> no, God, I hate my I job. Wish, yeah, yeah, it's so I, wish, I wish you said this with a little passion if, if you were at all excited about it. For everyone listening, all, all three of you listeners, uh, <laughs> Joe only gave me 10 minutes and I had to write and rewrite and write and rewrite. I'm like, oh, I can't, what do I do in only 10 minutes? <laughs> well, is there anything else on that list that we forgot? Um. No, you know, because I really do want to leave you with that one big tip. It's not about getting organized. Tell me your money story. It's going to be easier. It's going to be more fun. You're going to be more thorough. It's going to be faster. And at the end of the day, you're going to make more money back. Like that's the whole point, right? I think that's great. And it's the story of your life anyway, which is the best thing to focus on. Catherine is the bookkeeping artist. We can find you at bookkeepingartist.com. Yes. Awesome. And uh, she helps us every stinking year here in the basement keep our taxes in order. So, uh, comes highly recommended and obviously, as you can tell, is a total nerd about taxes. Catherine, thanks for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I can't believe it's that time of year. That's what makes this my least favorite time of year. It's not the fact that it's gray outside. It's not the fact that it's cold. It's the fact that the damned IRS coming for my cash again, OG coming for my cash. Seems like it's never ending, doesn't it? (laughs) You should be so lucky to have them come after your cash. (laughs) Oh, I've been there. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to do that. Back in the day, in the mid nineties, I uh, had no idea how taxes worked. Do not make that mistake, peeps. Do not make that one. All right. I think we got a couple great lessons here, but first this episode sponsored by State Farm You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, now you've got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were an hour ago when you started listening to the show. And you know what? For a great partner, become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union because becoming a member at Navy Federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. 
Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan, choose the best option because both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. I think we'll say lesson number one from Catherine. Tell your taxes is a story and you're going to find the big events. I really like that idea. If you tell the big story, those are all the big events in your life. Those are the ones probably that cost the most. That's where the tax money is going to be right there as well. And our second takeaway, think you can't save money. Imagine if you're forced to, because this happens far more often, OG, than people think. I'm super excited about our next guest. We have been chasing this woman to, to get her on the show because I read this book about the Plaza Hotel And I just thought there's so many dreams made. There's so many broken dreams. There's so many money stories that have flowed through the walls of this iconic hotel right off of Central Park, OG, that we had to have the author of this book, Julie Satow, come on and tell us some of the stories. Her book is The Plaza, The Secret Life of America's Most Famous Hotel. It was a New York Times editor's choice and NPR favorite book in 2019. Julie herself is a regular contributor to the New York Times. Her work has also appeared on National Public Radio, Travel and Leisure, and elsewhere. She just did a podcast with Business Insider about the history of the tampon. Awesome. But today, we're excited that she's with us. Let's say hello to Julie Sato. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's my new friend, Julie Satow. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, I got to ask you, this book came out early uh, last summer. I read about it everywhere. We were excited, but I was traveling, uh, which is the best thing to do, Julie, during COVID. Exactly. Uh, Are you tired of talking about the Plaza Hotel? Not at all. Never. (laughs) It's such a rich topic. I could, you know, there's so many aspects of the hotel to talk about. So it's always interesting. Well, you do bring that up in a lot of the interviews that I've seen that you've done that this, this hotel different than a lot of landmarks, has so many personal attachments for different people. I mean, I remember being in Manhattan a few times and always you walk by it, you know what that building is. You were married at the Plaza Hotel? It's true. I was married there. Yes. Yeah. I even have photographic evidence. (laughs) (laughs) And did you pick it because of an attachment or was it available? I mean, tell me that story. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of pressure from my mother, which is <laughs> just part of it. I always loved the hotel. I moved to New York City when I was 15. 
But even when I was younger, we would go into the city, like a lot of kids, a lot of tourists. And my grandmother would take me for tea in the Palm Court. And FAO Schwartz was directly across the street. I know I'm I'm aging myself right now, but that was like the coolest toy store in the world. And I had such amazing memories of it. And just, you know, it always seems so magical and such a fantasy of just kind of elegance and beauty. So, um, yeah, we looked at some different places. Surprisingly, it was available and the price was not crazy, even though you'd think, I mean, everything relative. Right. And um, my mom, you know, really wanted me to do it there. And, um, you know, how could I say no? What an iconic place to get married. Like it's a place yeah. where I'm in Texarkana, Texas, Julie. I know where the Plaza Hotel is. <laughs> There you go. Like, you'll have no idea where the hell I got married, you know, (laughs) but that's so interesting. So let's dive into some of these stories, because this is a place where fortunes were made, fortunes were lost, rich people came, they employed so many different people. Take me back to opening day of the Plaza Hotel. I've been reading the biography of Cornelius Vanderbilt. Hmm. One of his sons was involved in that opening day. Yes. So um, he played a very big starring role, Alfred Gwynn Vanderbilt. So it was October 1907. It was sort of the ending, the waning days of the Gilded Age. The Vanderbilts owned right around the corner from the plaza, the largest single family home in New York City history to this day. It was massive. It's where the Bergdorf Goodman department store now stands across the street from the plaza. There were all kinds of newspaper men lined up and photographers waiting to see who was going to show up to be the first ever guest of this brand new hotel. Alfred Gwynn pulls up in his uh, dashing carriage with his top hat, and he was the first ever guest of the plaza. He was the first person to sign the guest registry, and it really sort of set the bar for what the hotel was going to be all about. He was at the time one of the wealthiest men in America, you know, this dashing millionaire. So uh, it really was from the very beginning, kind of the epitome of glamour and wealth and celebrity. When I read the book, I wasn't clear if all the pomp and circumstance of those first few days was because that's what you do because it's a plaza or was it really we needed to make a splash because the Waldorf Astoria over here, we need to eat their lunch. Was it competition or was it what you do? Absolutely. I think it was a bit of both. Certainly publicity does not hurt. They had planned the opening day, you know, down to the minutia. For instance, getting Vanderbilt to be the first guest that was absolutely planned in advance. For sure, the Waldorf Astoria was kind of the fanciest hotel in New York and where all the wealthiest people would come and stay when they checked into the city. So they wanted to compete with the Waldorf. Interestingly, it was the same architect who designed the original Waldorf Astoria, which is no longer around, who designed the plaza. And he said that really the plaza was his masterpiece. He was It was a much more refined building. It was much more sort of modern elegance. The original Waldorf was much gaudier. And so they really were trying to beat the Waldorf at their own game and surpass it, which, you know, in many respects they did. You had uh, a passage in here. I was also curious about taxi cabs lined up around the corner. All of these cabs new to the city. Was this the first time we'd seen taxi cabs in the city or is this really the first just explosion of them? 
No, it was the very first day that the New York City taxi cab was ever introduced to New Yorkers. And obviously it would go on to completely change the way most of us, you know, used mass transit or transit. It really was, it was meant to, it was actually offered free. Like anyone who checked into the plaza could use these taxis for free. They were lined up across the front of the hotel on the Fifth Avenue entrance. They were black at the time. They were not the yellow cabs we all think of. They were dark colored. I think they were dark gray, actually. They sort of piggybacked on the plaza's publicity to kind of get their own publicity and to say, hey, instead of horse-drawn handsome cabs, which is what everyone used to take, take these new amazing taxis there. They're being offered in front of the Plaza Hotel. You know, what could be more glamorous? How long do you think it took until the first person got cut in front of for a taxi? (laughs) Well, it's interesting. You know, the taxis were actually considered a much easier way to get around because they actually had meters. Before that, you were in these these horse-drawn carriages and you had to haggle with the driver over how much uh, you would pay for it. So really, this was much more refined. I mean, you would get in and the driver would start the meter and you knew exactly how much to pay. So it was actually much less of a chaotic kind of thing than what they had before. So This was a lot like, the plaza was a lot like, to me, a Downton Abbey kind of situation. You got two stories going on at the same time. The building of the plaza, you had some huge strife uh, coming there, which ended up being a murder there. Tell me, tell me that story. Yeah. So I absolutely thought of sort of the upstairs, downstairs, Downton Abbey is what I I strove for. Unfortunately, like Downton Abbey is fiction. Um, <laughs> um, oh, you, you, need to, you need to say spoiler when you say that, that Downton Abbey is right, fiction. Exactly. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Unfortunately, the plaza, uh, my book is, is nonfiction. So I had to actually find proof. And back in 1907, um, newspaper men didn't really care about the maids and the uh, porters yeah. and the people working in the building so much. So there was much less material for me to draw on to tell their stories, but I I did where I could. And yes, one of the interesting stories that was covered, and it was really a trend throughout the existence of the plaza all the way through to today, is the union strifes. Back when the plaza was being constructed, the union movement was really in its infancy, and there were very few unions, and one of the first was actually um, the iron workers. And these guys were insane. I mean, they were called sort of cowboys of the sky. They would go up 10 stories high without so much as a helmet or a safety harness to protect them, you know, and they were walking around these tiny, narrow floorboards, constructing the building and constructing the steel skeletons that were sort of the, um, the what held these skyscrapers together. And this was sort of a new thing. I mean, skyscrapers was a relatively new thing. And these, these iron workers were, were sort of new types of laborers. And they had started this union because it was really scary what they were doing and they were getting paid quite a lot. So the plaza, like most other builders, hired these union iron workers to start constructing the building. But they also decided to hire some non-union guys to kind of do the easier stuff on the lower floors that took less technical know-how. And of course, the iron workers were really 
not happy with that scenario. So they started throwing hot molten metal down onto the heads of these guys that were toiling below. And it was all kinds of violence was going on. So the plaza hired these security guards to kind of stop the violence and just, you know, get on with it and build the hotel. But the iron workers were not happy with that scenario. And they ended up throwing one of the security guards off the unfinished eighth floor of the plaza. He unfortunately died of his injuries. And it was a really big deal at the time. It was called murder in midair since the Mm. eighth floor was, you know, very high back then. And yeah, it was a really crazy story that I uncovered. The headline writers were as ever bit as good at sensation then as they are now. Exactly, right. Exactly. (laughs) Did anybody get convicted? No. So the iron workers, you know, it was sort of like the thin blue line. You think of cops, even though it was very blatant that no one else was up there. And obviously they threw this guy off the building. None of them admitted to it. And without any proof or eyewitnesses, no one broke their silence. So they were all acquitted. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I want to move up in time just a little bit because we had uh, the hotel industry. So many people were affected by COVID now. And I was trying to think of times when something like this would happen to the Plaza Hotel. And I think about the amount of times hotels and alcohol go together, right? So tell me about prohibition and how prohibition affected the Plaza, Julie. Yeah, prohibition was a really difficult time. I mean, even to this day, COVID is also impacting things. As you mentioned, alcohol sales is a huge, huge driver of revenue for hotels and hotel bars. I mean, it's where so much socializing happens and parties and whatnot. So um, prohibition was was hugely difficult for the plaza. Their biggest competition was the 21 Club, which was a very cool speakeasy just down the street. And of course, everyone wanted to go to the speakeasy and no one wanted to go to the dry hotel, you know, to hang out. The one thing the plaza did have going for it was hotel suites. A lot of people would abscond up to the hotel rooms upstairs and there they could drink freely. And one of the most famous scenes, for instance, in The Great Gatsby, you might recall, is a scene at the Plaza Hotel up in the suites where they're all drinking. That's where Gatsby and Daisy's husband, where they have their conflict. So they did manage that. And certainly a lot of the bellmen and doormen did a really nice side business selling illegal alcohol to the guests. A few of them were arrested. I also found a story about a doctor. I guess the plaza had a had a plaza doctor who wrote quite a number of scripts for alcohol, <laughs> which were probably not all kosher. But yeah, they, they ended up having to close um, the Oak Room, the Oak Bar, which is a very famous room at the plaza. They turned it into storage areas. A lot of the areas of the hotel were actually closed off and just sort of not used during that period. It also coincided with the beginning of the Depression, so that did not help things. So it was a tough time. That doctor, by the way, I laughed. It wasn't funny for him, and I'm sure it wasn't funny at the time, but, but you said he lost his job. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he was illegally illegally prescribing alcohol. (laughs) So today you're like, really? Come on. I know, right? Yeah. Um, Whole whole different world. You brought up the depression. There is a a story here about how many, well, you've got so many stories, but about how many people just lost fortunes. People had nowhere to go. Tell me the story of Harry Black, who I believe, is he the same Black that was one of the co-founders? Yes. So Harry Black is one of my favorite characters in the book. He he was sort of a, a Trumpian character before Trump existed. He was the first ever real estate magnet in America, basically. And he also built the very famous Flatiron building on 23rd Street oh, in wow. Manhattan. He built um, Macy's Herald Square. He he built a ton of buildings and he built the plaza with um, a partner who happened to be a very wealthy butcher. The two of them uh, partnered together to build the hotel. They both lived at the plaza. Harry lived in a very elaborate penthouse on the top floor of the hotel. And he was kind of this amazing bachelor. He squired around many, many ladies. He was a, a regular in all the gossip pages uh, in the 1920s. Um, he was sort of this larger than life guy. He had his own Pullman railway car and he would take it down to Florida every year. You know, he was just this great kind of party party guy who owned this amazing hotel. He was also a really big believer in stocks. He was um, such a big believer that he even sort of created this idea of issuing stocks to fund his real estate projects, which was something that, that had never been done before. You know, and that was all great during the jazz age. But of course, 1929, with the Wall Street crash, things got really, really tough for Harry. He lost most of his money, as many people did. He was essentially ruined. He actually tried to drown himself in the bathtub of his plaza penthouse. Uh, His valet found him and he was revived. But in 1930, uh, which was about eight months later, he did die by a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head in his uh, mansion in Long Island. And his money was almost all gone. I mean, it was all. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, you know, um, epitomized what I thought, you know, you kind of have this idea of the crash and bankers jumping out of the windows and, you know, so many people ruined. There was actually not that many suicides comparatively, but he was one of them. And um, yeah, it was it was a really sad ending. Was it him in the book? Was he the one that got caught? Speaking of his Pullman car, was he the one that got caught during Prohibition? Yes, he basically had alcohol stashed all throughout his Pullman railway car. And this security guard, it was parked in this train depot in Florida where he was like off partying. And the security guard sees the the porter, his porter, carrying these boxes of bottles and is sort of like, what's going on? So he comes over and he calls some of his guys and they open up the Pullman car and find just like tons of illegal alcohol. So they arrest him. He's Harry is off, uh, you know, drinking at some hotel and they arrest him at like two o'clock in the morning and bring him to prison. And uh, he has to stand trial and he I, he gets off. He pays his bail and he ends up being OK. He but. did get off. But was there a scandal around it? There definitely was a scandal. Um, you know, New York hotelier gets arrested in Miami for <laughs> for drinking illegally. So, yeah. 
Is that the, uh, I mean, the Plaza Hotel with all its different owners went through different times where they had financial difficulties too. Is that the worst time financially for the Plaza Hotel? I would have to say no. The Plaza It did have a very tough time during the depression, but Harry Black did quite a good job with publicity and making the hotel run well. And and it was it was actually fine. It survived. It did go bankrupt once, only one time. That was actually under the ownership of Donald Trump. So we're jumping far ahead into the it was actually the early 90s. He he bought the hotel sort of at the height of the go go 80s. And he borrowed a ton of money to purchase it. Then he added more debt onto the property in order to buy a large yacht and an airline and several other things. So the poor plaza had so much debt on it that uh, no matter how well it was doing, it did not earn enough to pay down all that debt. And so eventually it went through one of the several uh, corporate bankruptcies that Trump oversaw. And you said that his ex-wife, Ivanka, actually did a really good job of managing it. She kept it full, made it the height of society at the time. That's true. She is the only female president of the plaza that it's ever had, and it's 115 or so years now. And she did an excellent job. She had all sorts of fashion shows there. You know, Eddie Murphy had his wedding there. It was like the place to be in the 80s when they owned it. But even though it was doing so well, it was really this debt service that Trump kept putting on the hotel that eventually did it in and caused the bankruptcy. There was a number. Tell me if this is wrong, but I think the number you said was the price tag was 500. It was no, it was half a million dollars a room. Half a million dollars, so. $500,000 a room, but still. Fi- but it was very, yeah. it was at the time, it was a crazy price. Sure. Trump admitted that he made a terrible deal to buy the hotel. He actually took out a huge full page ad in the paper saying, I paid a crazy sum for this hotel, but it's the Mona Lisa. It's the most amazing hotel in the world. And I just had to buy it. So I didn't care. I love the stories. You, you mentioned the Fitzgeralds. Scott and Zelda had a personal connection. Uh, Marilyn Monroe had an incident there. The, the Beatles, of course, uh, there when they first came to America. The stuff during the Jazz Age. Julie, we could talk forever. But the book the book is called The, the Plaza. Available everywhere, I assume. Yes, it's available everywhere. Your local bookstore, I always say, support your local bookstore. Um, but yes, it's it's available anywhere. It's now an out in paperback. It's also an audio book. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I've got one last question for you. Oh, sure. What was the most surprising story? I can, I can just, it, it, as I'm reading this, I'm just thinking about you and all the research you did. What was something you uncovered where you went, wow. You know, I guess the one thing we didn't talk about that's one of my favorite stories are the 39 widows of the Plaza Hotel. They were these sort of these old ladies I found that lived at the hotel off and on throughout all the decades that it was around. They weren't all widows, but many of them were. My favorite, I guess, would be this woman, Clarabelle Walsh. So to bring it back to prohibition and alcohol, she was from Kentucky and she loved Kentucky rum and bacon. And she was this very eccentric woman who was very wealthy and she loved Broadway and she was best friends with Ed Sullivan, for instance, and Amos and Andy and all these old Broadway stars. She's actually credited with hosting the first ever cocktail party. 
there was a 1917 article I found uh, from the Washington Post that said that she hosted this amazing cocktail party where everyone dressed up as uh, kindergartners and they drank alcohol out of baby bottles. But she was one of the widows. I have no idea why it's called the 39 Widows of the Plaza, because I found around 200 of them. But that was kind of, they were almost like a meme. So that was one of my favorite things I found. And by the way, who doesn't like Kentucky bourbon and bacon? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I can't complain with that. Hey, stackers. I'm your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And let's just say it has been a long week. And it's only Wednesday. And uh, yours truly, maybe, didn't review today's script. Yeah, till like, like right now. But when you're, look, look, when you're a seasoned veteran like me, you just roll with the punches. I can pretty much turn anything into solid gold. So let's just see what the writers have for me today. Uh, it's National Chocolate Cake Day. So talk about chocolate cake and make it funny. Are you... Really? Really? What am I supposed to do with this? This is great. Can I get a little bit of direction? Something? Talk about chocolate cake? Oh my God, my writers are the worst. Okay, right. All right, here we go. While I try to come up with something, let's get to a trivia about a concept I think we can all agree is absolutely hilarious. EBITDA. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's funny to say, right? I mean, EBITDA. It's, it's a great word. Oh, the stories I could tell you about EBITDA. Uh, But for those of you posers who don't know what EBITDA is, we'll bring you in because, you know, you're truly missing out on all the fun if you don't know. So we'll, we'll explain it to you. It says here that it measures a company's overall financial performance and it's used as an alternative to net income in some circumstances. It's, that's hilarious, right? I mean, just, the, the humor is just baked right into that. I don't even have to do anything. So the question is, what does EBITDA stand for? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can write a Stacking Benjamin script because really, it's not that hard. Come on, writers, get your fingers moving. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse And half the reason is, is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy, but with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. 
That's monarchmoney.com slash Benjamin. So you're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive, number one. It has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And you can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login. Anybody who's on your team, and you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, you can try it too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Hey, trivia fans, it's your very frustrated trivia host, Joe's mom, neighbor Duck. And during the break, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I am not going to do this again. I am not going to carry this team on my back to make up for their subpar efforts. Talk about chocolate cake, Doug. You're a genius, Doug. You can come up with all the ideas and all the laughs around here, Doug, because we just know Joe and OG won't do it, Doug. Oh my God. I think it's time to give everyone a stern talking to in our next team meeting. You know, like right after I get my latte with the double shot and a single mint leaf on top with a cool little design. Single leaf, people, single leaf. When you're a star like me, I think I've earned it. Check out how I roll. Let's get back to the trivia. The question was, EBITDA is a measure of a company's overall financial performance and is used as an alternative to net income in some circumstances. So the question is, what does EBITDA stand for? It stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. <laughs> I, I mean, you can't even get through saying that without laughing because it's just so damn funny. <laughs> I mean, you think that's great. So there was this time when EBITDA and a rabbi walk into a bar. And then, okay, maybe later. I better get out of here before this show taxes me any further. See how smooth that was? I guess I am the king. See ya. I love that we get to hang out with people like Catherine Pomerantz, who geeks out about taxes. OG, Julie Satow. How about that? And talking history. Like she's clearly, she's been talking about this same damn hotel for two years. Still excited about talking about it. And Doug and, and EBITDA.
you know. But unfortunately, Doug has to stay around. <laughs> unfortunately, because if he if he tells us another EBITDA joke today. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends over at the Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first, OG. What I value the most right now are those little things that you can fill in that show you exactly that you've you know, pissed away a 12th of the year already. Like the little... <laughs> Just the reminder that you're going nowhere fast. <laughs> yeah. I hope you've been keeping track at home, folks, but today's the 27th of January. And you've done nothing. Remember that 30-day ab program you were going to start on the 1st? You should be almost done by now. Oh, wait, you didn't start yet? Mm, You made it till the 4th? Mm, Because why? Because your freaking abs hurt so freaking bad after doing it for four days that you're like, I'm just going to take a couple days off and let these puppies rest a little bit. Don't want to get too jacked. Well, time to start that 30-day program again. I love that one. I'm going to raise you this one. Between Joseph Rosendo last Wednesday and Julie today, I want to go stay in a hotel. I mean, I just want to. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to get uh, too deep in the weeds on this, but that Jim Gaffigan joke cracks me up about, hey, uh, would you like to use mattress? Oh, no, that's gross. Hey, let's go stay at a hotel. I know. <laughs> I'm just craving, you know, craving traveling again. We did a trip in November, and it was pretty sparsely populated, the hotel. So that was cool. Yeah. When we had our travels over the summer, of course, there was not that many people out and about in America's national parks, which one end, it was nice. And the other end, of course, half of the- stuff was closed, too. Yeah. Half the stuff's closed. So you had it to yourself. Good news is hiking trails you could just go do, any of the ones that you wanted. Uh, it says here, by the way, the two things you value most are your loved ones and your time. Who knew? It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. It's a simple application. It's all online. You're going to get an instant coverage decision and can't emphasize this enough. It's backed by Mass Mutual. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Cole. Say hi, Cole. Hey, Joe and OG. A buddy of mine referred me to your show a while back, so I assume I'm your third listener. My wife and I are in a dual-income, no-kids situation, making decent money, and have, this past year, gotten very serious about our FI goals. To the point of me making some super fun spreadsheets to track out projected retirement and brokerage numbers, and even the years to be able to live off the dollar amounts. But that's when I ran into kind of an interesting issue. For the tax benefits, our 401k... TSP and IRAs contributions are pretty high, but if we want to retire early, we'll need to live off accounts other than those ones. Right now, the plan is for Coast Fi with part-time work and consulting oh, for God, in about fifteen. No, to 20 no. Years. stop, but Cole, expect- stop, stop. Here's the deal, guys. If we're gonna make financial independence available for everybody, stop using the BS little sexy insider joke terms. Stop it. I don't want to hear about FI. I want to hear about financial independence. I don't want to hear about Coast FI or Fat FI or Lean FI or whatever insider lingo that you want to use. Cole, I love you, but you just got involved and the first thing you can do is knock it off. Stop it. It's funny. Somebody OG the other day said, we're not a fire show. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We're just not a stupid show. 
We're not going to talk about making your own Gatorade. We're not going to talk about getting there with $300. We are a fire show. The, because the real financial independence and the real way to retire early is get the basics right, understand how your money works, and live. Sorry. Woosa. Woosa. <laughs> Just no. No, 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 no. Cole, uh, please continue. And, and I, I hope he doesn't Cole, say. Cole wants to be financially independent. That's what he meant to say. Yeah, Cole, Cole just got me with Coastify. I was done. I was just, oh. Okay, here we go. Hold on. Let's see if he's got more. I've been consulting for in about 15 to 20 years, but I expect to still need to supplement that with investments. So I guess my question is, what's your advice on how to deal with the downside of the taxes versus the upside of having that money to use prior to 65? Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Cole. Sorry about my rant. By the way, you're not the only person that does this. You're the you're the fifteen thousandth person, which is why I snapped. So yeah, that's that's the breaking point. Well, I will dial it back just a smidge because I am wondering what in the f he's talking about here. Because let me restate what I heard. I've got a whole bunch of money, or I'm projecting to have a whole bunch of money in my workplace plans and IRAs and Roths, and I'd like to retire early. And do some consulting work to supplement my income, but I'm also going to need some money for my portfolio to offset a little bit of the living expenses. Is that what he said? That's what he said. Okay. What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) That's the part that I don't understand. Because then he was talking about like, well, I got to wait till 65 and what is 65? Well, no, this is, this is what he's wondering. He's wondering if he retires early and he needs to take money out, he can no longer use the tax shelters. And the other thing that you hear in these groups is that we have to optimize every effing dollar. If I don't optimize every dollar, things might go badly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that's kind of the, well, so uh, there's a couple of ways to think about this. Firstly, if you reach financial independence, you retire early prior to the kind of traditional 60 years old age, right? 60, 65, whatever. The first thing that we're thinking about is, but but I heard there's a penalty if I withdraw from my accounts prior to that age. If you're doing it because you want to blow the money on a Corvette, absolutely there's a penalty. If you're trying to do it for retirement income, you don't have to worry about that. There's, for lack of a better term, loopholes that you can use if you're actually retired. Think about it this way. The IRS wants you to be financially responsible. If, they, if you retire at 30 because you've got $48 million in your IRA... Do you think that the IRS gives you a penalty for taking money out? No. They're like, cool, good job, bro. High five. Good job retiring. You are fat fi. And you <laughs> stop it. That's what the IRS says. They're like, they send you a letter. They're like, congratulations on your fat fineness. No, except the IRS has P H A T. Yeah, they do. Fat fi. So there's no penalty to retire early. The penalty is to take the money out of your account and use it for something stupid. That's the penalty. So they put that on there so that you don't, well, so at least you have some, some incentive not to do that. So if the first question is, how the, how the heck am I going to retire prior to 60? Because I hear that I can't touch my retirement account until 60. You can. You can retire whenever you want. You just have to follow a little bit different rules. So banish that from your thought. The second thing is, is that, yeah, if you want to be financially independent earlier than the kind of traditional time, or you want to kind of offset that compounding or offset the tax ramifications of all qualified plans or all Roth IRA accounts, 
I would have all my money in a Roth if I could. That's a pretty good place, tax-free forever. Then you got to save some money outside of that. So you have to have some money in a traditional, regular investment account, a regular, plain old vanilla brokerage account with your spouse or individual or whatever. Not a retirement account is what I'm getting at. And you can figure that out or have somebody figure it out. And you just look and say, okay, I don't want to touch my retirement accounts until I'm 70. I need $10,000 a month. That's $120,000 a year. I'm going to get $5,000 a month from consulting income. So I need $60,000 a year. I want this to last 15 years. You just plug that into a calculator. I think I need this dollar amount at the beginning. I want it to end at zero. I think I can grow it at 47% a year because all I'm going to invest in is Tesla. And uh, that's realistic. And, um, you know, how much money do I have to start with at 55 to, you know, I mean, it's just a math problem at that point. Add some variability, some buffer zone, some margin of safety for, oh, crap, it went down 30% and I forgot. But that's fine. But I think, Joe, your point on all of this was just save money. Just invest it. Like if you get to 55 and you're like, this is always my point with people when we're talking about this whole optimization thing, is if you take it to the extreme, you can see how absurd it ends up sounding. If you had $48 million in your IRA at 50 years old, do you give a lot of Fs if you've got to pay some taxes to retire early? Yeah, our goal, our goal is to have... Just piles of it. Like, we that's want, the best thing. We want Bill Gates' tax bill. That's what we want. Well, if we could all have Bill Gates' tax bill, you know what that means? Inflation took over, and uh, <laughs> Bill Gates is still 500 million times richer than us. <laughs> it means that a gallon of milk costs $11,000. I've got a $100 trillion bill from Zimbabwe. I saw that on the line the other day. I have a problem. I have uh, no money, and I have Bill Gates' tax bill. <laughs> I know. What should I do? Hey, Joe and OG, just call it in because I just got Bill Gates' tax bill. Yeah. Apparently, it was addressed to the wrong uh, house. <laughs> and that's my point. I saw, I, I was watching this video. Is a YouTube guy. I don't know how I ended up on this rabbit hole, but he's a popular YouTube guy. And he was interviewing one of the Shark Tank people, which I find that show to be kind of interesting. That and like the profit and those things are kind of cool. So interviewing one of the Shark Tank guys, he was talking to the kid about his portfolio because the kid had like real estate and investments and stuff like that. And he's like, hey, so just tell me what you think about my basically my, my, you know, how I'm doing so far, you know, here's this guy that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars kind of counseling this, this up and comer. And the guy goes, yeah, why did you do this? He goes, well, I didn't want to pay the tax bill. And he goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, yes, preach brother. What do you like? Where's this going? And the guy from Shark Tank goes, you will lose way more money trying to avoid the tax bill than just make more money and pay more taxes. He goes, your goal in life should be the person who pays the most taxes. Yes. Like you win. Yes. I was watching that with my kids and my kids were like, oh, taxes suck, which they understand. That's true. And I said, but let me ask you this. If you got a check for $10 million, that's because my kids are on YouTube, right? So I'm like, if you got, if you made $10 million in YouTube this year, but the taxes were $8 million of that 10, would you take the deal? And my one son goes, no, that, t- that tax bill is too high. And my other son looked at him and went, are you stupid? That's still 2 million. <laughs> So I get that there's supposed to be, you know, you've got to be smart about it and you can max out your workplace plans. You can balance pre-tax and after-tax Roth contributions and like where to put that and do backdoors and mega backdoors and all that sort of stuff. That's great. But after that, there's nothing else left to do. I mean, if you're just a regular worker bee, you don't have a lot of flexibility. You know, you can start manipulating things and 
okay, your spouse, maybe you max out your spouses and take less income. And, you know, you can kind of do that sort of stuff, which you can, you know, it's a good idea to try, but just invest money. And the goal should be, I can't wait to get my freaking tax bill because, oh my God, I paid mega millions was, was a week ago, right? Or the Powerball, (laughs) like that person's going to have a $250 million tax bill. I wish I would get the tax bill for 250 million. Like that would be the greatest check I'd ever write in my life. So anyway. Uh, some of the things, by the way, that when OG talks about being smart, Cole, some of the things to look at, number one is if you do continue to save into those pre-tax plans, he's talking about IRS rule 72T, which is different than uh, the rule of 72. It's uh, SEPP rules, and you kind of set it up like it's a pension for a few years. So if you want to spend a lot of money at one time and then a little later, that's going to be really difficult to do. But if you need a stream of income from those plans early, you can do it. So that's why I prefer to avoid those. And I like the brokerage account, even though to OG's point and your point, you're going to pay some tax. So what you do is you pay attention to some of the little things like turnover, Turnover, when you look at a mutual fund, is the amount of trading that the fund manager does. And if they're trading a lot, you're going to have a little bit of friction on that account every year as the manager trades the account. If you find accounts that have a lot less turnover and are more tax efficient, maybe stuff that doesn't pay a dividend that's as high if you're worried about taxes. The problem there, OG, of course, is that the the things that don't pay a dividend are generally more aggressive than things that do. Investments that pay a dividend today don't tend to fluctuate as much and it's easier to get at that money. So to your point, you balance those those things. But knowing where the taxes are coming from and deciding what to do with those investments and taxability of investments versus flexibility of that investment is, is the way to get there early and uh, coast on in toward your goals. We'll meet you halfway there and coast on in toward your goals. That's better. Coast, coast to your financial independence, financial independence. Yes. We just got to stop. We just got to be inclusive. That's what you're talking about. Well, yeah, we say we want everybody. We want this to be a revolution. And then we, you know, and we say this on podcasts where we want it to be a revolution. And then we use all this jargon that, that shuts people out. I listen to that and I'm like, what the hell, man? Don't get it. Which, which makes my next thing here kind of funny. Hey, if you want to call (laughs) and have us stop yours halfway through with a rant. Oh, Cole, I'm sorry. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. We're going to send Cole two t-shirts. No, he still gets one. Him and a friend. All right. Cole, uh, you get one. And if you want to buy another one, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash shirts. How about that? He'd be wise to buy a couple of them to get back on your good side. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. For all the money we make from those shirts, cleaning up. On, well, for all the money we make, but we, yeah, rolling in the dough, podcasting. Not a reason to get into uh, this business. That's going to do for today. Big thanks, not just to Cole, but to everybody for hanging out with us today. Thanks to people who left us a review, but even more important than that, thanks to people that uh, said, you know what? There's this cool conversation about the Plaza Hotel today. You should listen to that to a friend. If you know somebody who's interested in history, I loved that discussion. If you're somebody we talked about in our first headline that, uh, is celebrating that you survived just a dumpster fire of a year last year. 
but you're really not sure that your money did, well, guess what? OG and his team are taking clients and you deserve to have a friend look at your investments, see if they're doing what they should be doing, see if your financial life is dovetailing toward your goals. And if that's you and you think you need better help, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG to get on their calendar. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Yeah, sure thing, Joe. I guess I'll have to put you on my back for this part of the show, too. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned. First, take a lesson from our headlines. You don't know when you're going to be asked to retire early. So build a solid foundation early. Second, take a lesson from Julie Satow. History, it's both educational and can help you with the future, especially when it comes to being successful with money. But the big lesson... Okay, I just read the summary for today's script. It turns out the writers actually did come up with some pretty funny chocolate cake material. The good news is you can hear it all next year. Hey, guys, show me the word stink in chocolate. What? That's right. There is no stink in chocolate jokes in my script. What show do you think this is? Listen, money matters. Let's get it together, people. Get it together. Thanks to Julie Satow for stopping by the basement. You can learn more about Julie on our show notes page or by checking out her new best-selling book, The Plaza, wherever books are sold. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Taylor Stevens, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes, not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. What you want to talk about? Uh, I don't know. What is there to talk about? So it's the end of January almost. This is kind of exactly how I would envision a late January after show goes. (laughs) Like, like, yeah. Uh, I got nothing. So... How's your month been? Oh, it sucked. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Actually, it's not been that bad. It's not been that bad. Are you getting your book done?
Yeah, it is. Uh, chapters are due on Monday. Uh, the whole thing's due on Monday. I feel like it's all I think about. Absolutely love it. You know, I'm too close to it, OG. I'm way too close to it to make an assessment of if it's any good or not. But I'm loving it. I'm making myself laugh all day. It's probably not. I mean... Probably not any good. Your ability to construct humor or quality content has really been called into question over these last uh, 900 and some episodes. By the way, I was going to say, are we going to have a party in a couple of weeks? I mean, we got to... You haven't been in on all of Gertrude and Karen's planning meetings? Uh, No, I don't get invited to anything. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Thousandth episode, which kind of is funny because you and I also know that um, a thousand episodes was probably about 150 episodes ago. Yeah. (laughs) Because of all the ones we didn't count. It's like like when you're super old and, and they don't really know when your birthday is, so they just celebrate it. Well, what the hell? Yes. I think grandma's about a hundred. Let's say she's a hundred. Grandma's like, I'm really 96, but whatever. Cool <laughs> presence. Don't date me, bitch. You see grandma saying that? No. Probably not. Oh, man. So a little party coming up, I guess. Yes. Am I invited to the party at least? Party coming up at a thousand episodes. That 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 party is right in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, we're going to party here with all of you and me and uh, the listener. So it should be good. That's going to be on the 10th. Man, we got some good stuff coming up. I want to talk about what's coming up, but man, we got some, some fun stuff coming. All right, let's go. We're just doing nothing. Story of my life. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval. 